Hey, Dylan here. Before we roll the intro and get into today's episode, there's something that I quickly want to share with all of you listening to this. So given the current situation in the world, live content is becoming more and more important for SaaS companies right now. Webinars, roundtables, and online events are taking over. And if you've tried running any of these yourself, you know just how difficult they can be. And that's where today's sponsor can help. Restream allows you to broadcast live, engaging video directly from your browser to 30 plus social networks at the same time. They power over 8 million live streams every single month and are already trusted by companies like Cisco, IBM, and Microsoft. And more importantly, I love Restream and I'm using it every single day. So with this sponsorship, they're enabling us to take this podcast and my own live streams to the next level so that we can bring you even better interviews. If you would want to try it out, please visit restree.am forward slash Dylan. That's R-E-S-T-R-E dot A-M forward slash Dylan. It'll take you straight to the homepage and show them that you came from this podcast. They have a great free plan that you can use to test it out. And you'll also get a $10 credit when signing up using that link. So once again, that's restree.am forward slash Dylan. Okay, let's get into today's show and roll the intro. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the SaaS Marketing Show, a weekly podcast for founders and marketers within SaaS and B2B tech. You'll be hearing from senior marketers and founders at some of the most exciting companies in the world. You can expect to hear advice, results of experiments, and exactly what's working behind the scenes of some rapidly growing SaaS and B2B technology companies. No top-level BS, actionable stuff only. My name is Dylan Hay, and I'm one of the co-founders of Hay Digital, a PPC and CRO agency that helps SaaS and B2B technology companies grow. I just happen to also be the host of this show. So when we're not interviewing senior marketers or founders, we'll be sharing behind the scenes of our business and exactly what's working for our own customers, many of whom are just like you listening to this podcast. Okay, let's get into today's show. Are you looking for your next scalable acquisition channel? Something that consistently drives new signups and demo requests. Sounds like it's time to introduce PPC. At Hey Digital, we're experts at helping SaaS and B2B technology companies grow with paid ads. Learn more at heydigital.co. Welcome to today's episode of the SaaS Marketing Show. I am super excited to be joined today by Bill King, who looks after SEO and paid acquisition at Drift. So if for any weird reason, any of you out there listening or watching to this don't know too much about Drift, they are the world's only conversational marketing platform. And in my opinion, one of the best SaaS companies on earth right now when it comes to actually marketing themselves. So I'm really excited to have you here, Bill. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Today, we're going to be talking about how you guys at Drift actually approach SEO for new product launches that you do. And this comes off the back of a LinkedIn post I actually saw from you last week where you took like a screenshot of some SEO traffic increasing pretty rapidly, about two plays that you've made over the last six months that are performing very well for you guys. So I'm excited to dive deep into that. But before we do that, maybe let's just talk a little bit about kind of you, the team at Drift, how things are structured. Uh, on your LinkedIn profile, it mentions that you look after PPC and SEO and like 
acquisition. Could you just break down for us kind of what, what, that, what acquisition looks like at Drift and maybe what the team's like, what you, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, et cetera? Sure, yeah. So I joined uh, Drift about almost a year ago. It'll be a year in May 6th. Right before I joined, they kind of launched the traditional demand generation team. They had toyed around with it a couple different models. They did a growth team who owned first click all the way to active user. And then they also own lifecycle as well. But about three months before I joined, they decided to have a more kind of like traditional function for acquiring users. And then our, our retention growth team kind of works on like lifecycle retention, features, usage, all that type of stuff. So it's kind of allowed everybody to kind of really specialize in certain areas of the things that they do really, really well. And so I joined, the team was actually quite lean when I joined in terms of demand generation. We were doing like traditional kind of webinars, trade show type of like traditional type of stuff. And I was the first like digital acquisition person. We had a girl named Sarah who owned Drift for Drift. So she was the person building the actual bots and she also owned conversion optimization. So the two of us together, worked on kind of the, the real big pillars of, of how you acquire users, the traffic and then the conversion rate as well. In that time, the team has scaled up quite, quite significantly. So now I would say it's more of a split between brand and demand. Whereas when I first joined, it was, it was a lot of uh, creative content, like brand type of folks. So we're kind of like, we're balancing the, the, the boat a little bit. And yeah, so things have been crazy. We're growing like, we're growing like a weed and we're actually hiring too. So if you guys are listening, um, come on over and work for Drift. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for sharing that. So I'm I, the reason I ask is I'm really interested to see how as a company grows like you guys are because you guys have grown a lot recently. Like I'm, I was looking before we did this interview just at some some top level numbers around like fundraisers that you guys have done. So I think the last one was in April of 2018, 60 million dollar raise. That was the third time that you guys have raised money. I I'm seeing drift everywhere on like LinkedIn and social specifically too. That might be because I, I'm a big advocate of the brand, like Hey Digital, we're a partner agency with drift as well. But whenever I'm looking at, okay, which brand should we look at in terms of who are doing marketing well and creatively, like drift is always one of the top three that people look at. Right. So what's yeah. it been like going through that, going through that growth? Because even, even just with PPC, right. Or with SEO, they're two, of course they work together very well, but that's, that's the job of so many different people. So how, how do you like structure that time? I know you said you have now a split between like brand and demand. I, I like that terminology too. I like that way of putting it. Are you the kind of the sole person that's managing all of the paid activities? Do you have multiple people within those kind of areas too? Or what does that look like? Until three or four months ago, I was the only person doing um, all that stuff. They've had some other folks that they've worked with, like they had, we've worked with agencies in the past and like some other folks have dabbled in certain areas of that stuff, but nobody kind of owned it. So when I first, when I first started, I was the only person kind of doing acquisition. We just hired Molly Clark, who's fantastic. She came over from Zoom Info. So the team's, the team's growing and uh, yeah, so we're, we're, because we're, because we're, we're known as like a, a really great brand company. Yeah. That actually, there's a lot of there's a lot more to that I think than most than most people think about. They 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 see the brand and they see like how we're all kind of involved and everybody's out there all the time. But I can't like overstate how important this is from a performance marketing standpoint. If you are going to work on a brand that has no recognition in the market, your job is way harder, right? That's pretty clear and that's obvious. Mm -hmm. But the question is like, 
how do you go about that? Which one do you invest in first? Like, what are the, you know, how do you approach that if you're a founder? Those are the questions everybody's asking. So at the time when they were building Drift, actually, uh, I knew most of the folks that started the company because we worked together at a previous job. I went to go do a startup in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then came back up here to, to join the, the team later on. But at that time, they were kind of like in the apex when everybody's doing performance marketing, everybody's doing PPC, everybody's doing Facebook ads, everybody's doing all that stuff. And so if you think about it, if you step away from like what you're comfortable with and you think to yourself, where's the value in the marketplace? Is it going to compete with someone for a quarter percent of better conversion rate or click-through rate from this PPC ad? Or is it like, let's go separate ourselves and create something different that has long-term tangible value that we can continue to build on. So like the whole like drift, like everybody knows the brand, like all that came together is obviously very strategically and they invested in marketing early. I think a lot of teams like they wait until they have PM fit and like people are kind of excited about it and then they're like, all right, let's put marketing on top of that. But I think that they were strategic in the sense that they were like, okay, how are we going to separate ourselves from the pack? We can build an awesome product. We can do a bunch of performance marketing, but like everybody does that. What's something that can separate us and create a mode around this thing we're building? Because if you think about brand, brand is like, it's all the pieces. And when I say like, the thing that's most exciting about Drift's brand is it's not just like marketing. It's like, we have a really great customer success and support team. The experience is awesome. Um, the product is fantastic the like marketing and just the general tone, we try really hard to like be relatable to people and uh, all that together creates something really special. And when you're like, when you're, when you're sitting there and you have this type of opportunity, you're like, wow, the brand is already well known. So now as a performance marketer, you sit back and you're like, wow, this job's got to be kind of easy if you think about it, because <laughs> like the really tough parts of those traction pieces are kind of already covered. And it's just about you monetizing the, easy to win stuff and then build these other moats like around the tougher competitive spaces that you need to really grow fast. So I would say like, if you're a founder out there and you're thinking, how do I like think about building my team? I would say like, it's probably pretty smart to get someone who's thinking about the brand and, and stuff like that early on, especially nowadays where commodities are software. We've all got the same tools. We're all reading the same content. Like it's tough to find value out there, but um, I think those things are very important to think about early on. So, yeah, I agree. That's really valuable advice. Thank you for for sharing that. I actually, I'm I'm super interested. Maybe this is more of a this is me being a little bit like greedy, I guess, and asking some personal questions. But from whenever we're working with our customers running their PPC campaigns for their SaaS companies, that's like what we do. That's our sole focus. We often have as the companies continue to grow there's always this discussion around how you measure like how you measure the impact of brand on ppc right because it's like you'll see the branded campaigns that are up and running they're always going to have like really great performance metrics right the costs per conversion are always low etc and some some customers that we work with at the early points of launching branded campaigns have concerns around those and we, we answer those questions in various different ways but for you guys it must be a really interesting use case because the brand is so strong at drift like and you said earlier on that you kind of separate brand and demand, but how is that a difficult conversation for you when it comes to, let's say, reporting or um, measuring success of either SEO or PPC? Like, how, how does that affect things? Like, do you treat brand totally separately or uh, no. how, what, how does the team look at, look at those things at Drift? Well, we all win together, that's for sure. And I think like everybody has an understanding that if 
for us to win, everybody has to be really good at what they do, right? So the design has to be on point. The site structure has to be well done and we can't be having the stuff go like go down and all the, like everything creates that halo effect over the brand and then it's up to me and the other people who work in the demand gen team just to monetize that, yeah. right? So like, if you're thinking about dollars in, dollars out, the clear, and I think as like just marketers in general, we've always been like, okay, well, I can rely on this model. I know that if I do this PPC campaign that like within a certain percent of variance, this is the type of customer I'll get. Everybody can do that though. Mm -hmm. And so like when you're thinking about like, how do I, how do I create an advantage? That's super important. But I think like the team is well aware that each person has a big, big critical role in how we all grow. Like the, the moves that they've made on building the team out are very, very intentional. We have kind of traditional content. We have a ton of folks who work in like video and brand and design. And that isn't because we just want to throw like cash out the window. It's like all these investments create this overarching feeling of when you interact with Drift. And those have secondary benefits that you can measure. You can see a look at just the general awareness and demand of your brand in general and how many people act on that. Then you start thinking a level below that, which is like how many people are not just aware of drift because it's cool and like they can learn about stuff, but like what are our products names? Are they like increasing demand over time? Like does that trickle down or is it just people know about us? So all those things are super important. And like there are great brands out there who um, like a good example, someone I admire a lot is well, one of the brands I admire a lot is Ahrefs. So like they not only build a brand, but then they teach you how to execute your job with their, their tool and their content. So it's not just empty investments. You're like creating this flywheel over time as you get these great experiences and eventually it builds up. Yeah. I think that's a super valuable point that a lot of people miss. It's like content can like, we shouldn't be doing content or any marketing activities just for the sake of doing content or marketing activities, right? We should be creating valuable like assets or things that are actually going to help an audience. And I think sometimes people don't know how to do that. So they'll end up just creating like a lead magnet or a piece of content for the sake of it. When actually, if you look at there's there are ways that you can structure your content to be useful, entertaining for people and still promote your product without it being like an, overly promotional piece of content to say like Ahrefs do a great job of doing that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's really important. Cool. So thanks for sharing. That's really interesting to hear a bit more about the kind of inner workings of you guys and, and the team. Now I want to go straight into our topic for, into our topic for the show. So as I said, I saw a post on LinkedIn from you a few days ago or last week now about um, how you guys are approaching SEO for new product launches. So yep. um, the post that you shared was a little bit about the Drift video product and what you're doing around that, right? So maybe you could just give us a quick kind of rundown as to what that post is all about, what you're, how you're approaching Drift video at the moment, and then we'll go into some uh, tactical things around SEO for product launches. Sure, yeah. So at the highest level, Drift itself as a brand has kind of like four critical pillars. We have the platform, which contains multiple products. We have our chat product. Everybody knows that product. We have our email product, our automation product, which is technically a layer across all those products because it touches each aspect of it. So we've also got a video product and that's where the, the play that you saw um, me talking about came in. And so there's people, there's, there's the core user of Drift are 
very specific people. It's like marketers and demand gen folks, performance marketing folks at like kind of like SMB plus, but really like mid market plus. Those are like the real core like platform users. And then we're building all these different kind of like pillars around the brand. So the video product is kind of a new thing for us. And so we're starting to build like presence in the BDR sales folks who are doing a lot of outreach. Now, I would consider video kind of like a startup within Drift kind of like it has cross alignment with the chat product. And some of those folks do use both. But right now it's in kind of like launch and figure out who is this right for, who's willing to pay for it. Like we're learning every time we acquire a net new user for video. And that that value is actually super, super important because as we we grow that flywheel of like net new users, we're trying to build kind of like a loom style acquisition engine where after we acquire people, they invite others and because video you send it out, there's that loop. So so the the challenge with each one of those products is um and I, I think actually video is probably the most interesting because um we're still figuring out kind of like is this its own thing or like is it integrated you know deeply and kind of like how does that like the people who acquire who who start up using video do they also use the platform so as we're learning a lot of these things we're starting to think about how do we then invest to grow the product so if you look at video on its own the average revenue per user is quite low um now if you start thinking okay, how many of those users can we then convert over to platform users and how does that affect the economics? That is a whole different discussion, but we're not, I don't think we're like, we're there yet for that right. to be concrete. So what we did to kind of try to, to learn quickly, grow users without investing a ton of capital is really what we're trying to do is we're not trying to sink a ton of cash in, acquire anybody possible and then figure out the monetization later on. We're trying to be thoughtful about how we grow the user base, about how we grow the investments we put into it. So that what that does is that kind of limits to like what you can actually do to actually go acquire users for that platform. And so when you have a low, like first year revenue product, you have to start thinking about ways that you can, you can get users as cheaply as possible, but also as targeted as possible. So for new product launches that I guess we're going down the, the path of, because that's the most relevant and the most recent kind of like new launch that we've done. So for that one, it was more about like, okay, let's test paid. Let's try to see if we can acquire some new users. We tried to get as low as we possibly could. And we're like, eh, this is okay. It's not quite where we need it to be. So we started looking at like, what are some SEO plays we could make? And who are the people we're competing against? And what are the, how are they getting traffic? I think that's super important. Like if you're, if you're launching a brand new product, take a look at what they're doing. There's tools out there. You can see like, you can take a look at what channels people get traffic from relatively. And then if you see that like there's a dominant channel, like a good example is some of the competitors for us in video, they get a lot of their users from one or two channels. And then the uh, network effects afterwards kick in after they get to a certain threshold. So for video, what we're trying to do is get as many like high qualified users as cheap as possible to let those kick in. So for SEO, for that specific channel, it's very low cost. It takes time to build, but once you build it up and you have a pretty good idea of what areas you should be in, you can continue to build that over time and that pays off quite a bit. The other thing too is like someday, maybe our target for CAC might be a little bit higher and then we can go put paid on top of it, but we don't want to build the user base just on paid because that's a tricky situation to get into because once you turn it off, it's off. Right. So what we were starting to think about is like, 
okay, if we can't pay directly to get someone to sign up to use this, what are the things that we can build that, like what are the hypotheses we can say that that person would be looking for before they sign up? So before someone knows about video, because actually Drift is well known, but the video product isn't yet. So we're kind of building its own funnel to start with. So like, so the thinking there was, all right, we have to acquire people who are users of video. Um, that's number one. Number two, we want to get paying users. We don't want to just grow anybody on the platform. So we really want to get salespeople or people who are in like BDR roles who are doing outreach and who are sending cold emails and who are doing prospecting. That's like the person who's going to hand over the money. And then there's other like scalable things just to grow the user base. Because what happened was we started doing a lot of these plays just to get sales users, people who would pay for it. That's growing. That's nice. But then after using it internally, we're like, man, a lot of us just send like updates with this, with this product or like our customer success team are sending videos to our customers explaining like a product change or a feature that they could do or something like that. And we're like, wait a second, there's something here. So overall, so overall our baseline play was like find the users who are willing to pay, build some funnels around that. And now we're starting to think, okay, after realizing that there's actually a lot of use cases here, there's other flywheels we can start to build. So there's like customer success, there's support, there's like leadership type of presentations you can give and the chatbots like right next to the video. So there's a lot of plays there. So I guess this is a really long answer <laughs> to, to what you're asking, but what basically what I'm saying is like, it started with the business model. Like we limited the amount of uh, channels that we thought were the, the highest payoff and we doubled down on those things. And so as we're acquiring users, one of the, one of the things we built was um, a microphone test and a test for your webcam video quality because the hypothesis was what's one thing, it, how do we get people who are high enough intent that they would try the product, but large enough scale of traffic that this would be worth it for us. And so we're doing keyword research and we're like, wow, there's actually some competitors who are doing similar things like this where they're building these little apps to help people get more out of their video experience and so not every person who clicks onto that page is like the core salesperson who would use it. And so that took some selling internally for me to explain why the strategy makes sense because it's not a one-to-one -one relationship between all that. But the topic was large enough that I was like, let's try it out. And so obviously the conditions that we have right now have changed the market and more people are starting to use video. And so therefore more people are looking for ways to get better video experiences. And that's where that, that project took off. Yeah. I actually think that's a really interesting point. Cause I, I was going to ask you like, okay, so you look at the, you look at the competitors, you look at what their traffic channels are. You look at, you do some keyword research, you see what they're driving traffic from, what their articles are like, how you can improve on those, et cetera. But then like peeling back the layers a bit more and trying to get to that point where it's like, okay, you understand these are the target user groups and these are the target customers. And then instead of just creating content for them, the like step before that, you're almost going back one more step to kind of reverse engineer. Okay. What's the, what's the first thing they're going to be looking for to then do that test and then sign. And then like, instead of going straight for the, okay, trying to rank on a page that's like video, like sales video tools or something, which everybody else is, right. is doing more competitive. I guess the interesting point is like how, 
how do you get, there's not really a tool that can help you do that, right? That's kind of a combination of keyword research, looking at other people, but then just your own like team brainstorming and intelligence. There's no other way that you can do that, is there? You just have to sit down together and think, about, okay. Well, how I don't think it's magic. It's like digging into the people and who love this, who are like pumped about it. Um, and like, you have to, so what you said about the, the whole like optimizing your page for a specific term. So we still do that. But what we do is we take like a, I take like a portfolio approach where I'm like, where are the big scale, um, maybe not so targeted things we can do. And then how do I counterbalance that with like product page optimization? Like when you're looking for video, you know, video selling software, like we should be theoretically be there, but that is only going to grow us so much. So like, how do we balance scale and targeting as well? So. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's really okay. interesting. Okay, cool. And then you said, you said obviously that at the early stages of this, you're trying to find that balance between running paid, paid campaigns, which are going to drive that traffic and get people here straight away. Whereas the SEO is stuff that takes a little bit longer to ramp up, which makes a ton of sense. Like, is that how you're approaching a lot of different, whether it's new products that you launch, campaigns that you're running, like are you always combining PPC and, and organic or like, how do you, how do you look at that? Because I, I had someone on the show um, his name was Nick from a company called Learn Worlds. He was on the first episode mm-hmm. that we did, and he was talking about how the team at Learn Worlds use PPC to inform their content strategy and their content strategy to inform their PPC strategy. How do you, being in the role where it's like all of these things combined, how do you approach that? How do you use both of these different areas to continue to propel the business forward? That's actually so. I would say I think I'm at an advantage by being in that in this kind of like blended role because it's all about the data. Like early on, you build a product, you have a hypothesis that something's going to be interesting to people. There are a certain amount of people who are willing to pay for it. If you work your way from there up, you're at an advantage. If you don't have that data and you're like searching around to find who's willing to pay for it, what are the topics they're interested in? You're, you're in tough, you're in a tough spot because you have to make many more bets before you figure out what works. What we try to do is we like, when we launch something brand new early on, it's super important to just really look at like the core users who are willing to pay for it and dig into that data. So a good example is like for PPC, you could validate a hypothesis on paid like that because yeah. you can quickly get scale, you can quickly get learnings, and then you can take those people that you acquired and you can say, all right, these ones didn't work. These topics were total crap and it was just fluff traffic. But this, interesting, what do we learn about these types of topics? Because you have the data to validate those ideas. But if you don't, you're just running around and spinning your wheels, right? So like early on, I cannot, I've made so many mistakes with this, but make sure you have the data, right? Like you don't want to wait too long, but make sure you have the right stuff in place so that when you learn, you can go quick off that stuff. Um, so for us, it was like with a low, like revenue product, you can get in a real bad situation where if you burn too much cash just to build the product, um, number one, it's dangerous. Number two, you're not sure if people actually really are pumped about it, right? Because paid is, is something you kind of right. like, you force the initiative, right? So like, so if you got SEO and you've got like virality and all these other things that are working together, if those are working, there's probably something there. And so if you dig in the layers of like what's working on those channels and then you're like, okay, I know with reasonable certainty that if I spend money with these types of people, I'm going to get that cash back. To me, that's super important because I don't want to like, I think the, the old school like, grow as fast as possible and then figure it out later. I think that's kind of like dying. I just mm-hmm. think a lot of people are, are smartening up about that stuff. So 
Yeah, because it's, it's like great if you can acquire a ton of users or customers really quickly, but if you can't keep them around, if you can't like build a brand and encourage, like the, the, the reason so many people love Drift, like you said, is yes, you have a great product, but there's so much more behind the great product and products that you have. Like even us as a, like working with the partner team, for example, the whole experience is just fantastic. Like if they're, if when we're using Drift itself, like the customer support, like there's people always there all the time who will always get back to us super fast. Like there's so many different elements. And I think that's something that, especially any early stage SaaS marketers or founders that are listening to this, they're all the time they're looking for like, okay, what's this one or two channels I can quickly experiment with and that's fine. Like we've, I know we've talked about a couple of plays that you guys are doing to approach like SEO or PPC for a new product launch. And that's fine. But I think it's also really important to cover, as you said at the beginning, these things work, but they work so much better when you have a blended like strategy around everything else. When you're thinking about brand, when you're building community, when you're making sure the product is good, like all of those things lead to better conversions in any of the other marketing like experiments and actions that you're taking and i think that's something that a lot of people miss sometimes is they're just yeah, trying I think to like quick things well the beautiful part about like being when you market to marketers is they have a strong voice and they're willing to let people know so that can work for you or against you right. so make sure you have those things together if, if people are willing to you know if you want to live off the fruits of people compounding your story well make sure you have it right because if you don't, then it can work the other way as well. Yeah, so. totally. Okay, cool. So just to kind of recap some of what you said, I think the if I was to do one takeaway from this in terms of, okay, what can someone do to approach SEO for either a new product launch or just their SaaS business that they're marketing or building at the moment, I actually think the like one of the tactics that you shared that's really valuable is not just looking at all of the traditional SEO or PPC activities that people take, but taking a step further back and thinking, okay, before my prospect or target customer would sign up to our platform, don't think about what they would do before that, but think about what they would do two steps before that. So for you guys, it was identifying, okay, we have this video product and maybe if we create a piece of content around it or a microphone audio quality test, we know that's something that's going to drive a lot of traffic kind of two stages before purchasing. Same with the webcam video quality test. And I think that is actually something that a lot of people could think about, like depending on what their software is. Think about what kind of, doesn't have to be a micro site, but I've seen people have success with that too, like building sister sites or micro sites to help build virality and then drive traffic to their platform. But think about what, what else can you do that supplements your product? Well, I think that's one really good strategy that you talked about amongst yeah. everything else. But aside from that, maybe is there like, is there one other thing that you guys are doing right now that you're like really excited about in whether it's SEO, PPC, marketing, any, any like one quick tip that you could share with people that, you're seeing good results from currently? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I, I can tell you one thing I'm really excited about. I, so yeah. we, we launched this, this new AI product. And I think a lot of people like hear that word and they, they have a different, like many different reactions to it. But this is a true, like we build a model from the ground up. It's not a shared model across all your different chat conversations. It's like literally we have an engineer who works with you and analyzes your conversations and builds like a custom model. And that's not like, for everybody yet it's for like a lot of the larger companies who have like a lot of conversation volume and this and that but like right now it's in its infancy and someday there could be a day where like you are able to automate your entire sales funnel like that's the that's the vision we're trying to do is like go down this path where like there's no discernible difference between your best sales rep who's on your website 
and the spot. That's what we're trying to do. So if we get there, I think the exciting thing about that is like that frees up marketers and sales and businesses to kind of like do more exciting stuff. And what I'm pumped about, like a lot of the, about the stuff that's going on in the world is like, I think, so I was, we did a a webinar on, uh, with SEM Rush like last week. And so we were talking about SERP features and featured snippets and all this stuff. And like a lot of people ask me all the time, Hey, you guys, you guys have so many people in the content, like design and video and audio. I think that used to be a nice to have. I think those days are are coming to a close where like this whole hire an army of like content people who are just going to sit there and like publish away SEO articles. I think those days are dying. So I think if you look at like a lot of the SERPs out there, it's like YouTube videos and like podcasting are starting to infuse. And it's like, really what that means is like people want to be able to pick the medium that they want. That's kind of right for them. So I would say, don't think about that as brand anymore. Like, in order for you to get access to the people that you want to market to, the way that they consume content has been changing for a while. And I think now, like, as Google's helping marketers be able to surface those things better, it's really important for you to start thinking about diversification and doubling down on the, on the things that work. So, like, go do a bunch of different things, validate if it works, and then double down on those types of things. So I think these rich media formats are like the future. I really do. And a lot of the data supports that as well. So like, if you look at, you know, we're trying to grow our YouTube channel. We've got like, you know, we've got several podcasts. We've got our growth podcast, we've got our CMO podcast, our product podcast, like all over the place. Um, and we're growing those and they're, they're growing every day. And like, it's not overnight, but we know that these bets are not something we're going to win right away, but we know it's going to pay off in the long run. I think it's super important to like have a mindset of experimentation and like understanding coming oncoming trends because not that long ago it just didn't exist and people were still using forms and this wasn't like a thing. So just have context. Like this was only three, four years ago. Right. right. So as marketers, I think it's so important, like start thinking about the, the, the changes in consumer like consumption and the preferences they have. And just like really our job as growth people is like reducing friction and increasing value. So if you can just reduce friction, increase value, so whether that's your content product or if it's your actual product, um, start thinking about the ways that people are changing because I think pretty soon uh, a lot of this like text-based format uh, is gonna is gonna not be the preferred medium. So that's one thing that we're we're, we're going hard on this year. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's uh, like that's exactly how I'm thinking about things too. It's really good to hear. Like get that validation, I guess, right? Because you say the the markets the market is changing as to what people want to consume. There's so many different options out there right now, and I think traditionally within SaaS, like SaaS marketers, it's very easy to just stick to the activities that have always worked, right? And the SEO activities, the content activities, and these the webinars in the same way that we've always done them, and just driving people to them in the same way that we've always did it. So I think, as you say, we things can change so much in such a short period of time. And I think if you start to leverage these things now, there's never going to be a negative to it. Right. As you said, it's like, it's, there's no, there's, if you start a podcast now, or you start creating more video now, or you start um, whatever it might be, if you start doing that now, you're never going to, you're never going to regret that at any point. It's always a good building. Block yeah. For something else. yeah. And that's like, so that, that, that underlying like curiosity, you should be willing to make a ton of bets that have low, like investment, but potentially high payoff, right? You could do this podcast for a year and maybe a thousand people listen to it through the course of the year. That's, that's tough. 
but if you really understand like the people and the changing preferences, you'll know that that's okay. Keep, keep doing it and keep executing because someday that, that switch is going to happen and you don't want to wait until, until later on. So, yeah. cause that's, that's the people with big budgets. That's what they can do. They can just turn on the switch and, and switch things over. So I think it's really important to stay curious with that stuff. So. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, Bill, thank you so much for like sharing all of those insights about Drift, about what you guys are working on. It's been really great chatting to you. So yeah, thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure.